architecture is like, how do you build community with physical walls and spaces? How do you help people connect within a space? And community building is just like a different way of thinking about how do you help people connect and develop relationships. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change. In this podcast, you will meet ecosystem builders from all around the world who share their tactics and practices for transforming their communities through the power of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, I caught up with Charlton Cunningham during his recent visit to Mexico City. Charlton's home base is in Atlanta, Georgia, but he's been living a bit of a nomad life since the pandemic. In our conversation, Charlton talks about how to build trust in an ecosystem. He also shares some insights into the role that venture capitalists can play in an ecosystem and why community is so relevant for a VC firm as long as it's built and nurtured the right way. Find out how Charlton builds networks in different parts of the US and beyond and how, as a traveling nomad, he manages to stay grounded. Off we go to Mexico City. Meet Charlton. Charlton, I'm so glad you're here today. First off, tell me, if I were to come to your ecosystem, whichever one that is, where would you take me first to give me a full sense and experience of where you live and work and play? Yes, great question. So um, I will go with, although I'm a nomad, I'll go with where I've spent 20 years of my life, which is Atlanta. And if you were to come to Atlanta, I would take you to what's called Tech Square. Tech Square is a, it's a location which is next to Georgia Tech. So we have a great university called Georgia Tech. Um, lots of engineering grads, lots of um, businesses come out of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is on one side of the highway, on the other side is Tech Square. Tech Square has um, Georgia Tech University building, so there are students going in and out. It has some student um, apartments, but it also has a lot of startup offices. It has like innovation hubs. It has corporate, you know, uh, there's a lot of corporations getting into, you know, how do we be innovative? And so they have their kind of setups there. So I know AT&T is down there. Um, some other folks are down there. And so there's this really great mix of business, startup, and student life. And so if we were to walk down there, we could go to a coffee shop, we can go to a Starbucks, and you could hear the different conversations. You can see the students with their backpacks, and you can get a sense for kind of the vibrancy of the ecosystem. And, you know, something that people will say is unique and makes Atlanta great is we have colleges, we have culture, um, But we have kind of this um, this nexus of all these different things coming together. And Tech Square is one of the, the places that you kind of get to see that. And then interesting, I'll throw this last bit in that <laughs> if someone from Atlanta was listening to this, they'd be like, why did, they, why did he mention that? Atlanta is also known for its strip clubs. And there's a strip club actually down the street, like literally a, a few blocks from Tech Square. Um, it's called the Cheetah Lounge. And... You know, as much as it might be, you know, everyone has their views, it is a part of the culture of Atlanta. And so you get, even that is on like within this kind of uh, square um, of, of business and startup and student. I love it. I have to admit, I've never been to a strip club. So uh, I'll make a note for my next trip to Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> make sure I don't miss that gem of Atlanta startup culture. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Charlton, your 
a military son, you're a self-described failed architect, and you're an introvert. I'm amazed by how many ecosystem builders describe themselves as introverts. Yet you're a community builder, a connector. You're super passionate about early stage entrepreneurs. How did one lead to another? What is that unique genetic and experiential makeup that got you to where you are now? Yeah. So anytime I describe or talk about myself as a military brat, usually the first thing that comes to mind or something that people ask me is how many schools did you go to as a child? Mm -hmm. And that's very much a part of the culture of a military brat is that you move around a lot. Um, and something that I didn't, didn't come to appreciate until I got older was that a skill set as a kid move, that moves around a lot is that you have to make and develop friendships and relationships quickly because you might only be in town for two years and then you're in a whole new place. And so what does it look like for you to, to make these connections with people? How do you make friends? How do you do that as quick as possible? And then once you get out of the military, how do you do that with folks who I remember when I moved to Georgia, I was in seventh grade and these people were like, remember that time in kindergarten? And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys know each other from kindergarten? What? Um, and so that, you know, that is a, a skill set that I pulled out and appreciate about how I can do my work better. It's just like I can make, you know, relationships quickly and I can find the commonality between me and another person super fast. Um, in architecture, um, I, I, you know, I joke around that I'm a failed architect. I didn't really put my best foot forward thanks to the economy, <laughs> um, thanks to the recession, shout out. <laughs> um, but one thing that I learned in architecture that related to startup culture, one is just like the lean startup methodology. So, you know, testing an idea, iterating, trying it out again. We did the same thing with like architecture and building models. So we would build a model, we would test an idea. How does the light hit it? How do we like the shadows that it makes? And then we would iterate and build a new model and change it. And so I was like, oh, that makes sense. I, you know, I can understand what, you know, how an entrepreneur could think about a process because I had a similar process. Um, but two, as far as community building and ecosystem building, you know, we really looked at from a theoretical standpoint, architecture is like, how do you build community with physical walls and spaces? How do you help people connect within a space? And community building is just like a different way of thinking about how do you help people connect and, and develop relationships. And so very similar. I mean, I started thinking of myself as an architect, but without, you know, physical walls and physical spaces. Um, and I think, you know, I think it is funny that a lot of community builders, a lot of ecosystem builders are introverts, but I really look at the the definition of introvert and extrovert, which is like, how do you recharge? Like, how do you get your energy back? And so mm -hmm. some people, it's being around a lot of people, some people, they need their space in their alone time. And so I can move into introverted and extroverted, you know, spaces, but I need to recharge by myself. And so um, I'm definitely more so the type of person that can walk in a room and connect with people deeply one-on-one, -on -one, you know, as opposed to I have friends who are like the social butterfly who can just like flood around the room and meet everyone. I'm very much like, I'll find one or, you know, a couple folks and be like, what are you like, what are you passionate about? Tell me about that. Um, and that comes from my, you know, my time being a military kid, but also my mom was a social worker and she taught me how 
she used to ask questions to get people to talk about themselves and to really pull out, you know, when they're trying to answer questions, they have it within them and you really are just helping them, you know, follow a path to figure out what the right thing to do is. And it's usually inside them and they just need to figure out a way to get there. And so those are kind of the tools that I use in my toolkit that I get from my parents. Great skill set. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's awesome. I love I love talking about it and love it, it takes time to like realize how these things tie back. You know, what are the things you learned growing up and how they tie back now into your into your life and your career. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense looking back than it often does in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'm also I'm not even surprised anymore at how many ecosystem builders that I know do some kind of construction, remodel architecture in their spare time of which they have so much or did in a previous career or do just as a hobby because they need to see the output but Mm -hmm. really just love building things in the very very sense of the word so you're more of an archetype than I would have thought maybe (laughs) yeah it's something about like being a part of the the zero to one the zero like to see putting things together and then seeing the final outcome yeah I would imagine with architecture, that's a lot more tangible than it often is in the world of ecosystem building. That Mm -hmm. is super (laughs) intangible and nebulous and takes forever to take shape and never comes out the way we envision it when we go in. Um, Exactly. So yeah, I'm I'm here for architecture. I think we need more Lego at ecosystem builder conferences to build things. Yes, plus one. (laughs) I want to change direction a little bit. I know that you've held roles in nonprofits, co-working, acceleration, and venture capital. So you've been... In so many verticals or so many positions within an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Tell me about the moment you realized that you couldn't operate as a lone wolf, but really started adopting that ecosystem mindset. How did that come about? Um, I think, honestly, it came about really early on. Um, So my job before the job. So before I actually had a role in community building, community, I was a community coordinator at an organization called Startup Atlanta. Before that, I created a, a community called Hive ATL. And it was really this group to help early stage entrepreneurs, people who had ideas for nonprofits, really to help them move forward. And I didn't create that community in a vacuum by myself. I had a group of friends that I pulled alongside me and we started this community. I think it was eight of us. And, you know, I always like to tell the story about our first event had like 12 people. <laughs> um, and we kept going and, you know, built it out to one of our last events, I think had over 150 folks there. But um, really early on, I knew that, you know, even though I loved bringing people together. I couldn't do it alone and I needed um, other folks to play a part and to realize that you're, you know, understanding what your strength is and leaning into that and pulling folks alongside you who fill in the gaps where you're weak, I think makes you, that makes more sense to me than trying to round out all your weaknesses and and build them up. It's like, no, they're like people who are great at what they do, um, pull them alongside um, and it's something that I've kind of always thinking about when I'm entering a new a new project or a new a new job. Like who who are the people that I can surround myself that will make me better? How and when did the term ecosystem building really 
sort of find its way into your vocabulary or into your career path? Yeah, so that probably, it's probably the Startup Champions Summit in Chattanooga is where I really learned about mm -hmm. ecosystem building and ecosystem builders. And the reason I got there is due to being reached out randomly by two distinct folks. So I remember Joe Russo from West Palm Beach reached out as just like, hey, you do the similar things that I do in, in Atlanta um, as West Palm. And I was like, okay, cool. And we had, like, had a chat. And then I remember Yuval um, Yarden reached out um, when she was at Global Entrepreneurship Network and was talking to me about Global Entrepreneurship Week. And that's when I realized like this field was one a field and that there are like people beyond myself that did similar work. Uh, and that's probably when I was really introduced to ecosystem building and ecosystem builders and started really being able to have get the resources to understand like, oh, okay, like this is this has been talked about. I learned about Startup America and kind of the work that was being done in, with Kaufman. And that's probably where it was really starting to crystallize like, oh, okay, this is like an actual thing. Um, and now I can like tell my parents like, no, 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 this is, this is what I do. I have a, I have a definition I can send you. Um, so it was around, yeah, I, I can't remember when that summit was. It might've been 2017 or 2018, but um, it was at Chattanooga mm -hmm. um, Startup, Startup Champion Summit for sure. When you started out in Atlanta with Hive ATL and then sort of moved your way around the community, how did you build that ecosystem? What were some of the, the tactics that worked? How did you start? And what worked for you in connecting the dots and bringing this ecosystem together? Yeah, so when I joined Startup Atlanta, I was coming into an organization that was coming out of some trying times, there were some leadership changes. And so there was a lot of, I wouldn't say mistrust, but there was just a, within the community, people were like, what is Startup Atlanta? How can it actually be beneficial? And so in terms of strategy and tactics, it was really about rebuilding, rebuilding Startup Atlanta as like this viable entity. And so one thing that I did was I went to everybody's event. I showed up and One of the important things for me was just to allow people to see like, hey, this is Charlton from Startup Atlanta. He is at my event. I wanted to talk to the leaders of all, you know, the different co-working spaces, the different events to let them know that there was like a new face and that I was, you know, open to helping out, you know, however I could. And so for Startup Atlanta, we had the name, we had our connection to the government. So we rolled out of the city of Atlanta and we sat under the economic development arm. And so we had, we had, we, we had an ability to broadcast information. And, you know, if you type in Atlanta startup or whatever, some semblance of words, our site will come up. And so that's kind of what I could give folks is this visibility. And so um, the tactic for me and, and what I would tell everyone is just like, go to everything, show up, meet the leaders of organizations, shake their hand and let them know that you're there and that, you know, your open line of communication. And what that did was just allow people to see like, okay, cool. Like I have, there's a face to a name. It's not just an email. I know this person and he's, he said he's willing to help. And that was so important for me to, to reestablish and rebuild um, kind of the trust in the organization. And it, it was just invaluable. And so from there, 
it was identifying where we could help. And so part of it was like, okay, we, you know, we have this name, we can broadcast, we have this visibility, like how do we use that? And how do we share that with the other organizations? Um, but then it was understanding that, you know, people were coming to me and come to figure out what was going on in the, in the ecosystem. And so we translated that into like, okay, how can I be the one-stop shop to figure out everything? And so the big thing that we created was a guide to the ecosystem. Here are all the resources, here are all the co-working spaces, the funding opportunities, the programs that we have. And I made it my kind of mission to always know what was coming up, what was new, what was available, what was dead. And like, just so that if someone was coming into, you know, our ecosystem as a newbie or if someone was head down in work and was finally picking up and saying, okay, now I'm ready to, to find investment or what have you, I would have, and I would create a place that had all that information. And so that was also invaluable. And that's something that is still happening today, even as I'm gone um, from started Atlanta, um, is that guide and, and is that resource that is able and is free resource for the community and something that they can confidently know year after year will be updated and will be something that they can, can utilize. Is that virtual, print? So it is both. What's so the format for that guide? Yeah, so when when I came in, we created a... I was, I was really inspired by something called D-Hive, Detroit Hive. And they created like an actual building place where you could go in and like get like something tangible. And so we created like actual booklet and I would like come in like a little fairy into events and drop booklets and be like, here you go. <laughs> Um, and it was also a resource that we could um, keep digitally. So it was, it was both. But I, something about having like a tangible guide um, yeah. was, is, you know, part of marketing as well. Um, and I just saw that this year they actually created like a mobile version that you could like click and drop down and it goes directly to the sites. And so um, I'm glad that it's kind of moved, moved to that. Um, But I would, that's something I would recommend every community have is just like, where is the guide to the ecosystem? How do people find their way around? Um, just like you asked me, where would you take, you know, where would I take you um, if you're in my ecosystem? Like have, like think about someone coming in and how would you navigate and guide them around, around your community? Hey friends, while I have you here, I wanted to extend a little invitation. Join me over on socialventures.com, my professional home and place of sanity, to catch up on the hundreds of conversations I've had with ecosystem builders over the years. You can find out what I'm researching, which events I'm excited about, and how you can work with me. Grab my starter kit for ecosystem builders and join my upcoming masterclass, Ecosystem Building 101, at the end of February 2022. And now, back to the show. Charlton, as you worked throughout the Atlanta startup ecosystem. What is the hardest lesson you had to learn? I think the hardest lesson that I had to learn was that even though everyone said they were for entrepreneurs, not everyone actually was. And so you really quickly, you understand that there are bad actors within the ecosystem and you have to realize one, you have to know that that's an actual thing that could be true. There could be people out for themselves and not necessarily out for for founders first. So you have to identify who those people are and you have to understand like how to manage that and like, what does that look like? And so 
I think that was the hardest thing is being like, oh, no, no. I thought everybody was just like, I thought we were all focused on helping entrepreneurs and making sure that they, you know, they get the resources they need and not necessarily like, you know, people who are like charging entrepreneurs to pitch or, you know, taking advantage of, you know, founders and the little money that they have. And so it's identifying who those bad actors are and making sure that you steer folks away from away from them. That was probably the biggest lesson and kind of the biggest challenge that I had. I would love to dive a little bit deeper here because I know that in one of your roles, you were moving around the venture capital space. And I'm really curious what investors who are new to ecosystem building can do to learn more about ecosystem building and take the first step without running through walls or stepping on toes without knowing. If you put on that investor hat, what is a good ecosystem player who brings that kind of capital and interest in supporting entrepreneurs through an investment? Yeah, I would say if you're an investor and you're interested in ecosystem building and being a good participant in the community, it's really around connecting And I'll be specific, if if a founder is not ready to get investment or if a founder is not a good fit for your firm, it's really about, all right, what resources are you giving them? How can you connect them to someone else? Like, what is the next step beyond you? And so I think when you think about an ecosystem, it's all these different parts playing together in the system. How are they all interconnected? And so if you are thinking about How can you be for an entrepreneur, for a founder beyond yourself? Then who are, what are the relationships? What are the resources that you can give them if they're not a good fit for you? And the way you, you need to do that is know who, you know, who else is investing. Maybe you're a series A investor. You need to know who the seed or pre-seed folks are. You need to know the series B folks yeah. so that you can actually point the um, entrepreneur somewhere. And I think that's important. Um, and then If they aren't ready for you, are there resources? Are there programs that can help them get to a place where they're where they will be right and where they will be ready to receive investment? And so, playing a good role in the ecosystem is being playing that the role of the connector. And it takes knowledge and doing some work of understanding what is out there um, to then be able to guide um, entrepreneurs. You know, if they come to you and if they're not the right fit. And so, I would say for an investor learn you know learn the folks downstream learn the folks upstream learn the programs that are available and then really help connect um folks to those to those people and so i mean it could be an email that has all these resources that if they're not a right fit it's like just simply a copy paste but it points them somewhere so they can get yeah. the resources and you know the, the right next steps that they need to get to the stage where they might be you know viable for investment Charlton, as you zoom out and you look at the Atlanta startup ecosystem and you look into the future, what is something that you hope for or plan for to move that ecosystem forward? That's a great question. I think two things um, are my hope for the ecosystem. Um, One thing I'm really passionate about is the intersection of culture and technology and business and kind of the startup scene. And when people think about Atlanta, if you ask someone about Atlanta and what they think about Atlanta, 
you'll get a lot of different iterations. Some might talk about like how Atlanta is the hip hop capital of the world. A lot of great music comes from Atlanta. Some might talk about, hey, we have a lot of great business. Callan Lee is, you know, headquartered in Atlanta. And I think about how those two things can intersect. And one story I love to tell is in 2017, we have a lot of conferences that happen in October. Um, it's a really packed month. It has festivals. It has, you know, business conferences. And one of those really big um, events is called Venture Atlanta. And Venture Atlanta is the Southeast largest venture conference. So a lot of investors come in. We have startups that are pitching and are showcasing. Um, it happens over two days. A lot of great connections and things happen. Around the same time, I think within the same week, we have other events. We have our Techstars Demo Day, um, but there's also this festival called A3C, which is a hip hop festival. And in 2017, Nas, who's a rapper, very famous rapper, who also has a um, venture capital firm called Queensbridge, he was performing at A3C. He was the headliner. It was during the same time as Venture Atlanta. And so in my mind, it makes sense for him to be able to headline the show, but also speak about venture capital because he's both and he, he does those two things. And that's what Atlanta makes Atlanta great. It makes Atlanta great is because we can have all these things that intersect and um, overlap. And when I realized this, I was we were trying to figure out a way if he could speak at Venture Atlanta. Um, it didn't work, but we figured out a way to make a campaign to have all of the events kind of show up on one landing page. So if you're in town for one thing, you could know about what else was going on. The hope for that was that next year, if there was some overlap, there's a lot of entertainers, there's a lot of athletes are getting into investing now. Like how can we how can we find those intersections and how can you know, someone who's coming to Venture Atlanta also go to this hip hop conference and see like a show or something. So that's my hope for Atlanta is that we find those intersections and it's not an afterthought, but they start to plan together. Like where can there be, a, you know, an event where Venture Atlanta is hosting a conversation and maybe there's a show afterwards. And so I think those are the things that make Atlanta unique. And I think another hope for Atlanta is that we begin to connect with the, the Southeast as a region. One might think that we compete with Nashville, we compete with Miami, but I think from you know looking at the Midwest, the Midwest has done a good job of talk, talking about themselves together. I remember, you know, Jeff Slavatsky and Big Omaha and Silicon Prairie News were talking about Kansas and you know Omaha and Lincoln and all the and they were and it brought a lot of you know prevalence to the region because they kind of came together and I would love to see that happen for Atlanta, for Nashville, for Tampa, for Miami. There's a lot of, you know, activity happening in Miami, obviously. It's, you know, people are rediscovering that it exists. Um, but yeah. the Southeast as a region is really powerful when it comes together. So I'd love to see our leaders, the folks who are in, you know, a part of organizations to really connect with one another so that they begin to see like people don't you don't have to hold on to startups or you know founders to keep them in your your community or in your city when you begin to like let them leave and like tell them about opportunities they're more they'll be more apt to be like oh i want to build my business in you know here because they tell me about the opportunities even outside of um, outside of the city but across the region Charlton, i know what you're hoping for for the startup community in atlanta what about you personally? What is 
What are you excited about right now? What can we expect from you next? Where can we hope to see you, run into you, and watch you do your magic? Yeah, so I think what's next, what excites me, one is that community building, community in itself is like starting to become a buzzword, a term that people are starting to understand is like necessary. If you go on Twitter right now, what I call VC Twitter, people are talking about community. It's like a hot topic. People are like, what is a community led, you know, startup look like, you know, how do I hire a community manager? And so mm-hmm. I love that the field is starting to get some notoriety. And so, whereas, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was hard to, you know, talk about the value of community and the value of community building. I feel like that is starting to, you know, become table stakes and people are starting to see it. And so that's exciting. And so I know in conversations with other ecosystem builders and community builders, like attaching like the value of the work you do to like the actual monetary value was always hard. It's, I'm, I'm starting to see that actually be rec- you know reconciled. And so that's exciting to me. For me personally, moving forward, like I'm really passionate about kind of continuing to do community work. I love mm-hmm. to be doing this work at a venture capital firm and in a platform role, which is kind of a kind of a newer role, I would say within the last decade that is starting to be more prominent, which is like, how do you build community within a portfolio? How do you connect portfolio companies to the network of a, you know, a VC firm? And, you know, that's the LPs that are the, that's the team and kind of all their residual connections and their, and the people that they know. And that's something that I've been doing from an ecosystem standpoint and the ecosystem level. And so having the focus of, you know, one company or one firm, um, and like 40 companies instead of like all of the companies in Atlanta. I think that would be exciting to have that focus. I think lastly, it would just be continuing to connect. I think, you know, as I became a part of the Startup Champions Network, as I got to, you know, meet folks like Joe, Yuval, you, Joey Aurora in, in Denver and, and folks all across the country, I want to continue to build those relationships with people um, all across the world really who are doing similar work so that you know i can build out my network and continue to help the founders and entrepreneurs i know whenever they land anywhere i can i want to like know someone in that in that community that i can connect them to that i that i trust and that i know have all the relationships and the resources that they need to succeed and so continuing to build out that that roster of folks that i know across the country and then kind of meet them and and hang out like you mentioned i'm a nomad like going to those communities and checking them out you know there are tons of places i still haven't been i want to go to madison wisconsin and say what's up to scott resnick you know i still haven't been to omaha nebraska there's a lot of different places that i want to check out and and a lot of ecosystem builders that i want to see their ecosystems and their communities in person you know continue developing those relationships and so that's kind of my hope for for my future that's super exciting. I'm just picturing you on a map of the US and eventually a global map, just traveling from ecosystem to ecosystem and building those relationships and having those connections, which is beneficial for everybody involved because there's so much we can learn from each other. Sticking with that personal perspective of work, what do you do to keep going, especially as you move around and you're not within one 
organization for years and years to come that gives you sort of that sense of belonging and the team and the infrastructure. What do you do when the work gets really taxing to keep going? One thing that I've been doing is taking time for myself. So I've done like personal retreats where I will reflect and, and taking, you know, two days to reflect and taking time to myself to really decompress to figure out where I want to go and, you know, what I've done in the past. I think that's super important for me. It's just that time away, that self-care, you know, an ecosystem boater and one of my, someone I would consider a mentor of mine, um, his name is Scott Henderson. He's in Lincoln, Nebraska. As he was traveling, he did like a, like a road trip tour right around the, the, the pandemic. But I asked him as I was moving around and, how do you like, how do you stay grounded? Like, what are some, you know, what are some tips? And he basically, he was like, keep a ritual, certain rituals that you do when you make it, when you get to a new city. And so for me, that could be, that has been walking for trying to walk for 30 minutes a day around a new city to really ground yourself to where you are. So if it's walking around, if it's um, cooking breakfast, like begin to create a ritual that you can do in every city that kind of grounds you and something that you're like, all right, I'm going to always do this. Um, yeah. I think that, um, was, was kind of a good, um, a good piece of advice and something that, that I try to implement, um, wherever I go that, you know, that helps me, helps me even if I don't have like, you know, something that's telling me like, here's my nine to five. It's, you know, it's building the kind of the rituals and within yourself that you always do that helps ground you. Awesome. How do you make sure you keep learning and building your expertise? Do you do any dedicated professional development? And what does that look like? I don't do any dedicated um, development. I think for me, staying in tune with the industry looks like reading a lot of articles, reading, following newsletters, um, finding great books. And so a book that I was reading over the pandemic was The Get Together, which was a really good book about building communities and about folks who have built communities. I know another good book that I want to, that's on my list is The Business of Belonging. Um, he's uh, the VP of community of Bevy, which is a community tool, really, um, really active on Twitter. Also Twitter, just following great folks on Twitter and hearing what they have to yeah. say, jumping into different chats, whether it's Clubhouse or Twitter spaces and hearing what folks have to say about community. That's kind of how I've kind of kept abreast of what's going on, as well as, you know, um, I think if you're listening to this, you're a big fan of Brad Feld and they have a new book, Startup Community Way. So those are the kind of the things that I do to, to kind of stay updated. And I think, you know, as we get to a point where we can meet in person again and have these activities, it's learning from the people around me. It's not necessarily learning from, you know, this person up top, but like really looking around horizontally who, you know, who's in the trenches with you and what have they learned and what can, you know, what are the bits and pieces of insights and tips that you can take back to your ecosystem. So looking forward to, to getting back out in events. I'll be at South by Southwest um, next year. And so if anyone's out there, I would love to connect. And it's a great place where I love, you know, always love to connect with folks and hear what's working in their community and, um, you know, what they would recommend that every community does. Awesome. Since you're just talking about connecting, I do want to let everyone know that they can come check you out on SheltonCunningham.com. 
And you're super avid on Twitter. They'll find you at Charlton underscore 87 on Twitter. So if you want to know what's going on in Charlton's life and work, I recommend you go follow him. You engage in those conversations and just see who Charlton is talking to and what he's talking about. Cool. Charlton, I have the final three rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, ecosystem building is... Ecosystem building is, ecosystem building really is the process in which all of the disparate parts of the ecosystem, all of the different stakeholders in an ecosystem, how do they interact, come together, connect, play with each other in a way that Mm -hmm. is beneficial for um, entrepreneurs and founders. And so how does that, you know, what does that network look like with, you know, I think the founders, the entrepreneurs at the center of it. Number two, an ecosystem builder that everybody should know about is? I think the work that Ali Felix is doing in Tampa is really, is really been great. Um, she talks a lot about boomerangs, which is someone who leaves their hometown or their community and then comes back. And so she left Tampa, spent some time in SF in New York, and then came back and is building Embark Collective with Lakshmi Shinoy, who built out 1871 in Chicago. Um, the approach they've you know built as far as helping startups um, engaging with you know the city um, so definitely Ali Felix um, everybody check Ali out I will put that in the show notes and make sure that people can find out more about her cool last question one resource book podcast show videos you name it that influenced you that you would recommend to other ecosystem builders um, I'll go back to the, the get together. Um, the get together was three individuals. They have a book out. They also have a, I think their site is called people and company. They have some tools, some free tools that helps folks when they're thinking about building our community, what to think about. One of the, I honestly, there's one phrase that I always repeat. They say a community, when you build a community, you build a community with people, not for people. And so it makes you think about, all right, how are you engaging the folks in your community, in your ecosystem? You can't build a program, you can't build an initiative, you can't build an event without getting input from the people that you're wanting to build for. And so, you know, their resources, their book, their podcast is something that I always go back to. And I would, you know, recommend any ecosystem better check them out because they've been doing some great work. And since you are so incredibly humble and won't even mention your own podcast, I'm going to mention your podcast called The Keystone, a podcast for ecosystem builders, which has been on hiatus for a little while. But I do recommend everybody go check it out, listen to everything. I think it is such an incredible one-on-one with so many thought leaders from our field about what ecosystem building is and what some of the really important conversations are that we're not having enough of and that we're not having as publicly as we should have been having them. So um, also, everybody, please, when you're done listening to this, go check out the Keystone podcast with Charlton Cunningham and Yuval Yarden. Charlton, thank you for your time. This was delightful and very insightful. I thank you for being here. Yes, always a pleasure. And it's always fun chatting about ecosystem building with you. So thanks again for having me on. 
Find out more about Charlton on charltoncunningham.com and connect with him on Twitter at charlton underscore 87. Maybe he's coming to your ecosystem next. Before we finish up today, I want to pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. As traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, I honor the Tuscarora, Shakori, Saponi, Okanichi, Lumbi and Ino people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.